First Thessalonians chapter number five tonight. First Thessalonians chapter number five. And I want to be helpful and practical this evening and uh, just share a very simple Bible study uh, with us this evening and give us a little insight uh, into the Apostle Paul. And we'll look at First Thessalonians chapter number five. And uh, we are going to read the last four verses of chapter number five, which is also the last four verses. Uh, of the book of First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, chapter number five, and let's begin reading verse number twenty-five. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Uh, these four verses, as I uh, studied. These four verses in this chapter, in this book, uh, give us some insight, further insight, I believe, into uh, the author of this epistle. Uh, it is a good reminder for all of us tonight, and I hope we'll be reminded that uh, God uses men uh, in their personalities. God uses men in their experiences. Uh, God uses men, of course, uh, Paul writes us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's a good reminder for all of us that means God will use you and me. And I like to uh, get an insight uh, into the men, the people God used, a little bit about them. And I believe we're going to see some things about uh, Paul's heart this evening. Uh, if you think back to the series we did uh, not too, too long ago on ministry companions, and we got an insight uh, not just into the Apostle Paul, but all of those who worked with Paul in the ministry. Uh, this past Sunday night, I spoke about uh, us working together in the ministry and, and for the cause of Christ. And this will kind of uh, go along with that this evening, although it will be uh, able to stand on its own. But I want to uh, uh, speak on this subject tonight, Paul's heart revealed. Paul's heart revealed. Uh, Paul is going to address some things in this book, but then as he closes out the letter, I think it's going to tell us some more things about Paul and his heart, which gives some priority to some things. But it's also going to reveal some things as he, in their relationship uh, with those who uh, he wrote this letter to. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, open it and hold it in our hands and to read it and study it. And Father, I pray that you'll use uh, these simple verses, oftentimes, I think, overlooked uh, verses. But Father, may we look at them this evening and allow them to help us as your church. May we allow them to help us as servants of yours. <clears throat> and we ask uh, that you just bless our time together, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is obviously a letter from the Apostle Paul to uh, the Christians uh, at Thessalonica. Uh, Thessalonica was a uh, city is a mix of Romans and and uh, Greeks and Jews. It was a uh, important city during that time. And if you recall, the Apostle Paul, God gave him a ministry to the Gentiles, and the Apostle Paul is going to help uh, take the gospel uh, to the known world. And it is from uh, there in Europe, and he he, had, he wanted to get to Rome, and from there uh, the gospel would go forth uh, from those places. And of course, we have the gospel today uh, because of that. Uh, there was a lot of confusion in these cities because you had all kinds of different beliefs, false gods, false religions. And sometimes as people would get saved and, and they would uh, forsake what they had believed and they would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, 
many times as some of you can testify because you were saved out of false religion. Uh, all the things that you've been taught your whole life does not go away just like that. Uh, and there's some things as he writes to the uh, Christians in, in Thessalonica. He deals a lot, mostly in this, this letter, uh, with the second coming, with the rapture. He speaks of that, speaks of, the, of salvation. He speaks of uh, their forgiveness of sins, and uh, he addresses some things. I say all that to say that in all of these letters, most of, most of them with Philippians being uh, the, the exception, Paul's having to deal with some things because there's some confusion. He's having to rebuke in some of the letters. In this one specifically, he is setting some doctrinal foundations that are obviously very important to us as a child of God. In the midst of addressing all of these things, we come to the end and we see his heart as he completes this letter. Often, if you think back to that series, Ministry Companions, uh, he would always mention people at the end of the letter, greet so-and-so. His way of saying, oh, by the way, say hello to this person or this person or this person. And we see as he closes this chapter and he closes this book, this letter, uh, he speaks uh, very specifically uh, about some things. And I think we can see uh, his heart and how he addresses uh, these people. Bear in mind, Paul had an investment in the people he was writing to. He had an investment into that church. When Paul went into this city and won people to Christ, he left behind the church. He left behind the gospel, and that light would never go out. And by the way, it's not going to go out until it goes up, and the gospel is going to continue and continue and continue. But Paul planted that seed. He had an investment, and he wanted them to be sure about uh, the, the resurrection of the dead, the rapture, uh, those things. He continues into 2 Thessalonians. But I want us to look at these four verses. I think there's some things that will help us. I want us to, uh, first of all, notice uh, an important request. Look at me in verse number 25. As he signs off, and uh, I must remind you in, in this chapter, look up verse 16. He talks to uh, them about a lot of things. Uh, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Uh, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. There's a sermon in every one of those. I'm not going to preach them to you tonight, but there's a sermon in every one of those. But as he gets down <clears throat> with all this admonition, he once again signs off and shares his, what I believe we see as heart. Notice verse 25, brethren, pray for us. This is an important request that the Apostle Paul makes as he completes this letter. Now bear in mind the Apostle Paul's role that he's playing for the cause of Christ. God has chosen him for a very specific task. Paul, the Apostle, has planted these churches, has been that voice of the gospel, God uses him to write much of the New Testament. He's writing these letters to leave them a foundation of what they believe as they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the midst of him dealing with these issues and laying the foundation doctrinally, his humanity and his heart, I believe, shows, and we see this important request of all the things he could say. He says, brethren... 
pray for us. Now, don't miss the truths of this important request. We know that it's important that prayer is important. We know that we can pray for one another. Not only did Paul realize the importance of praying for others, he realized the important, how important it was for others to pray for him. Well, Paul, do you think Paul ever got his prayers answered? I think he probably did. Uh, Paul got his prayers answered. He didn't get them all answered because he asked God to take that thorn away. Well, I take that back. He did get it answered. He just didn't get the answer he wanted. And sometimes we do the same thing. Well, God's not answering my prayer. Oh, yeah, he just said no. Or not now. But Paul could certainly pray, but Paul never got to a place where he thought he didn't need prayer. And as Paul would go to win others, and Paul would continue what God had for his life, he understood the importance of those Christians praying for him. There's two quick applications I want to make. We'll move to number two. Because I want to let, I'm not going to say I'm going to let you out before dark because it's getting dark earlier now. Uh, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll let you out before the sun comes up. How about that? Um, Paul needed prayers. Let me just say, your pastor needs prayer. That's the greatest thing you can do for your pastor is pray for him. Is pray for him. Pastor, what can I do for you? Pray for me. How can I help you? Pray for me. And I, and I know many of you, if not all of you do, because some of you let me know that you do. And it's obvious there's times that I know people are praying for me because I look back and say, I don't know how I figured that out. I don't know how I got to that. No, it's the prayers of God's people. Uh, make a habit of praying for your pastor. Wasn't that a selfish thing for Paul to say? They had all these issues, they had uh, the, these insecurities, and he was having to set them at ease that uh, one day we're all going to join him uh, in, in the rapture, or we're all going to be uh, taken out of here, and he's setting all that astray. They had their own fears, and, and when he signs off, he says, pray for me. Because Paul realized that what he was doing, he needed the prayers of God's people. Your pastor needs your prayers. Uh, you say, you say this, this sounds awful selfish. Yeah, we'll call it whatever you want to. I'll be selfish, and I'll take all the prayers that you can give me. I, I've said this, I haven't said it in a while. A lot of times the pastor gets criticized. I always say this, before you criticize me, pray for me. Uh, if you're not praying for me, I, I'm going to be very transparent. I really don't care to hear your, your criticism. Because I'll be the first to tell you, I'm an imperfect man. I don't have all the answers. But if you want to criticize, won't you pray first? Because I've discovered it's hard to criticize somebody you're praying for. Because you've invested in them. Uh, that's a good application for anybody really that comes to it. But pray for your pastor. Paul needed the prayers to do what God had for him to do. And let me just say before I move to the second application, pray for your pastor because he has to put up with you. That's, that's pretty good right there. Uh, if the second thing I'll, I'll, I'll mention when it comes to that important request, Paul knew he needed prayer. Can we agree on that? You think Paul had an understanding that it would do those people good to pray for him? 
it's been said, I don't know who said it, but the one doing the praying usually is the one that changes the most. It affects the most more than the person being prayed for. Paul probably had a sense. I believe he really wanted their prayers. I believe Paul really knew that he needed their prayers. But Paul had to have some kind of an understanding that if they pray, it's going to help them. It's hard to backslide when you're reading the Bible. We're going to get to that one as well. And you're spending time in prayer on a consistent basis. It's hard for you to get into things you're not supposed to be into when you're praying. It's hard for you to have conversations that you shouldn't have when you're praying. I wonder how much gossip would go away if people just prayed. And you say, I just, I want to know how to pray. So let me, no, no, you're just a gossip. You know, God knows before it's posted on Facebook. Just, just let everybody know. Uh, you don't have to know all the details. I, 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 got, a, I got a text from a, a pastor today. He said, pray for me. We're dealing with this certain situation, and it's obviously a heavy burden. And all my response was, I'll be praying. I didn't ask him what it was. It's none of my business what it is. But I know God knows. Paul needed the prayer... Those people needed to pray. Your pastor prays, but your pastor needs the prayers, and you need to pray. There are people in our congregation that need the prayers, and you need to pray. I think sometimes, I, 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 would, I think sometimes God allows things to come into the lives of individuals, certainly to do a work in their life, but so that other people will stop and take time to pray for them. God puts a value, a premium on prayer above what we can even understand. So he gives an important request. It was important. Brethren, pray for us. Pretty simple. Very important. Pray for your pastor. Pray for one another. Number two, we see his heart. And that shows me a humble, a humble servant who would say, would you pray? Paul was a very educated man. Paul was a very wise man. Paul was a gifted man. Paul was obviously used by God in a great way, but Paul did not get full of himself. He needed the prayers. The people needed to pray. Number two, we see in verse number 26, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. We see a caring salutation. You think when Judas betrayed Jesus, what did he do? He placed a kiss on his cheek. It's part of the custom in that day. What he was saying was, greet them. He was not in their presence, but he still had the affection that he wanted to be in their presence so he could greet them personally. This was not just an assignment. Well, I've got to prepare this and send it off, and, and I've got to straighten these things out. He cared about the people who would be reading this letter. He says, greet everyone with an holy kiss. It was, that, it was that personal greeting. It was out of a heart that cares. And can I make a quick application for all of us? We ought to care for our brothers and sisters in Christ in a greater way than we care for anybody else. There ought to be a deep affection in your heart for those people you go to church with. 
There ought to be a deep affection in your heart for the, for the person who led you to Christ. There ought to be a deep affection in your heart uh, for the people uh, who, who have invested in you spiritually. There ought to be a deep affection in your heart for those people who do pray for you, those people who do show up faithfully in their place. There ought to be a deep affection in your heart. It was obvious that Paul did not look at those Christians as somebody who could serve him. He was there to serve them. Anything that I could do for you, he said, greet them all. No doubt he prayed for them. He loved them. He wanted them to succeed. He wanted them to be blessed. Could we have a revival of that? Let's, oh, let the politics take care of themselves. Why don't we have a revival in the churches of caring for one another once again? That would do more than whoever's the president, and I'm for a different president. But what we needed to get down to is what do we, are we supposed to do? We've got to have a care for people. And we see that in his heart, in his greeting. He's not in their presence. But he wanted them to know that he cared for them, that he was thinking for them. I, I think of this as he begins this letter in chapter number 1. Verse number two, we give thanks to God always for you, always making mention of you in our prayers. Verse number three, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. He ends after he, the, the letter after acknowledging at the beginning that he's always thinking of them. He never, out of sight, was not out of mind with the Apostle Paul. He prayed for them. You know, we would have a greater affection for people if we would pray for them. Each and every person in here, we have a responsibility for those who have made a difference in our life to have, to have a strong affection for them. Don't be, don't be rude at church. You know, and by the way, some, some customs have died. The Holy Kiss custom has died too. Just thought I'd throw that out there as well. But you, there ought to be an affection between a brother, a brother and sister in Christ that's not like, not like others. There's, there is a warm, heartfelt, don't be, don't, be, don't be rude to people. Well, I've had a bad day. Leave your bad day outside. Sometimes we have well, we have all we all have burdens. We all have difficulties, but there ought to be something inside. And he wanted to express that caring salutation. Number three, verse twenty-seven. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. He did not say, "I charge you to take this and set it on a shelf, and when you get in desperate times, pull it out and read it." The third thing we see, we, we find a vital declaration. He said, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Paul's direction under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was when you get this letter, everybody read it. Have it read to everybody. And you know what you do? In the very, very near future, you read it again. You get together and somebody read it so everybody can hear what, 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 what has to be said. That's why church is still, got, still, it's still about the Word of God. It's still about the Scriptures. 
he, he knew the importance of them having the scriptures and reading the scriptures and knowing the scriptures. And that's an important for us. It was in his heart. You must read this. There's a problem with religion when they want to steer you away from the Word of God. When they want to keep the Word of God from you. It's kind of like bills in Congress. Just trust us in what it says. Just, just trust us. There's nothing to see here. Board up those windows. There's nothing to see here. Just trust us. I trust that as much as I do a religion that will keep the Bible from the people. You know why, you know why they keep the Bible from the people? Because you read the Bible and you realize that there's doctrines of devils and what they teach is not in the Bible. It is shocking sometimes. You see the shock on somebody's face sometimes when you're talking to somebody who has been deceived by the Catholic Church and you tell them that purgatory is not in the Bible. Sometimes they are just shocked. That's not in it. Some of you are shocked right now. No, it's, it's not in the Bible. Uh, he knew the importance of reading the Scriptures. A church that gets off, it's just simple. They're not in the Bible like they should be. The Christians be in the Word of God. It was, a, it was a vital declaration. He did not say, well, if you can fit it into your schedule. He said, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren, all the saved. I charge you. It's your responsibility. Make, make sure that it gets done. I imagine that if word got out, that, that there's a letter from Paul, and it's going to be read, and if somebody didn't show up, somebody probably went to see them and say, why weren't you there when we read Paul's letter? You need to hear it right now. Well, what are we going to do? We need to have a business meeting. No, we're going to read Paul's letter. Well, what, we're going to read the letter. And you can make this application. The second letter comes to, to the Thessalonians again. He declared, make sure you read. That's why every time we assemble... It is about the Word of God. Can you imagine how precious that letter was? Paul could not be there with them. But by the way of the pen of Paul, God has sent help for us. Confidence that, 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 that the dead in Christ are rising again. There will be a reunion day. I have confidence in that. Can you imagine how precious that was? They lived in tumultuous times. I know we live in tumultuous times. Those were tumultuous times as well. There was a real fear of, of death. There was a real fear of what might take place in their life. And for them to get that confidence and that courage that, that, that God, is, God has not left us, and we have that hope, it's sad to say, because we are so spoiled as Christians, we don't look at our Bible that, as it being that precious. Can you imagine how quiet everyone was as that letter was read by the Apostle Paul? Obviously, none of us were there. There's not an account of that letter being read. This is the way I imagine. 
When they were done reading it, somebody would say, read it again. And probably there's nobody in the back going, but we've already been here. Pastor preached on that three weeks ago. Well, you didn't get it, so I had to do it again. Read it again. I wonder if it got read so much that it got to the point where they could quote it. Can you imagine if we read our Bible so much that we could just speak it? It would be much better than those lyrics. It's sad when somebody, a, Christian's been, a child of God has been saved for some length of time and they can spit out statistics for a lot of things, but they can't even say, the, they don't even know the books, how many books are in the Bible. The point I'm making is this for all of us. This, that is a, not just a sacred book. It is vital for it to be read and for us to read it. Number four. Look at me, verse number 28. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. He concludes with a gracious benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I get a sense from the way Paul finishes this letter that he cared about these people. He wanted God's blessings on them. He wanted them to be secure in their salvation. He wanted them to grow in grace. He wanted God's blessings on them. But what an example for all of us when it comes to other people. And certainly, I, I can relate to this as your pastor. There is nothing I want any greater than, than for God's blessings to be on you. And he reminds them, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you go back and read this letter, he mentions in there their forgiveness, and they had worshipped idols, and now they know of their salvation. And, boy, we ought, we ought to be thankful for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and our forgiveness. And he reminds them of holiness and how important it is for them to be holy. And that is still true of all of us today. And we are holy. It's not, a, it's not a gift. It is by the grace of God that he does a work in our life. That's what he's saying. The grace of God, of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you. What a wonderful benediction. What a wonderful sign-off. What a wonderful way to read that letter. Can you imagine from their perspective the words of the Apostle Paul, this one who they looked to, this one who was the literal mouthpiece of God as he wrote this letter, saying, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He wanted what was best for them spiritually. There is nothing anybody can want for you greater than that. It's for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As you endure life and hardships and trials, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As the days become more tumultuous, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As ye struggle to get 
doctrine right in your mind as you're saved out of a, a false teaching by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As we struggle with holiness in our, in our, in our, in our, our, our consecration to God and our sanctification, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What a wonderful way for the Apostle Paul to end that letter in his heart. What he wanted what was, was what was best for them. What was best for them is for them to grow in the grace of God. What was best for them was the blessings of God. That's what's best for every child of God. That's what's best. And, and if you have, and I, and I strive to be the kind of pastor who prays for God's blessings on you, and I certainly want to do my part and preach the word of God and to lead as God would have me to lead. But the greatest thing that I can pray for you is for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That's the greatest thing that we can want for one another. Every parent ought to want that for their children. It's, it's better for them to have God working in their life than them to be popular. It's better for them to have the grace of God in their life for them to even one day be well off. It's better to have the... It's a tumultuous time. You look at things that are taking place in our, in, in our country, in this world... And if you just have a casual understanding of Scripture, you don't have to be a prophet to figure out some of the things that are going on. You don't have to have a degree in political science to know what has taken place by some of the moves by our beloved politicians to know what their end goal is. But my kids are going to have to grow up in this. My grandkids, yes, what should we do? Pray for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the day, let me remind you, Paul was beheaded by Nero. Paul wasn't the only Christian that was martyred in that day. I wonder why they had death and the resurrection and the rapture so much on their minds. Certainly some among them passed away, but they were under the threat of martyrdom. What are we going to do? Pray for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with you. But that's a, that's a prayer that we probably ought to pray a little bit more, don't you think? For the grace of God to be on us. Paul's heart, as he gave the gospel, something that speaks to me about the Apostle Paul. Certainly past studies have reminded us of this, but this also reminds us again. Paul was very driven in what God had him to do. You recall that's why he separated from John Mark. He didn't have time. If he's turning back, I, I've got to make up for lost time. I know what I was. I know what God saved me out of. He's given me a task to do. I'm going to do it. But even in his drive, he never lost sight of the individual and of the person. People are still important to God, and people ought to be important to us. Well, they, 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 they know they ought to be here. Maybe they should. But you ought to care enough to pray for, at least, the grace 
of our Lord Jesus Christ in their life. Uh, let's, let's continue to care for people. We find Paul's heart revealed. Uh, let, let me, as we close tonight, let me remind you of that important request that pray, brethren pray for us. Pray for your pastor. Pray for one another. Pray. A praying church is a strong church. A praying church is a pure church. A praying church is a church that sees God do the miraculous. It's a, a praying ch church is, is a church that has the hand of God on it. It's better to have a praying church than a wealthy church, a praying church than a, a talented church. He gives a caring salutation. He genuinely cared for those people. He wanted to greet them. Boy, what a wonderful thing. It, it, one, of the, the, one of the most blessed times for me as the pastor of this church is before and after church to see so many people fellowshipping and, and talking and, and so glad to see one another. That was in the heart of Paul. It says a lot about a church when you have to turn the lights out on them because they won't go home. It says a lot about a Christian who don't want to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ too. That was not in the heart of the Apostle Paul. He cared about them. He had won many of them to Christ. He had prayed for their needs. Have a vital declaration, the Word of God. How prominent is the Word of God in your life right now? It ought to be convicting to all of us to envision the scenario I described with them getting that letter and hearing it read in hushed silence, reading it again, how precious was it? Who's going to be in charge of keeping this? Somebody needs to copy it in case it gets lost. We need to make sure we have these words of help and comfort. Boy, it's a vital thing, and then certainly that gracious benediction reminds us of what was in his heart for them. He wanted God's blessings on them. How bad do we want God's blessings on one another? Pastor, I'm just trying to get them on. I, I get that. But I want us to be reminded, and this kind of carries with my, my message Sunday night, it's not all about you, it's not all about me, it's not all about us. We're to have love in our heart that we want God's blessings. And sometimes, whether it be your pastor or young people, your parent, sometimes it's, it's some other authority that has to be firm about something, has to be confrontational about something. Instead of getting all worked up and think somebody's picking on you, it may just be that individual wants God's grace and blessings on you. That's an important thing for us to have a desire and prayer for. It reveals in our heart. Let's let Paul's heart speak to us, and may we pattern our own after it. But it's not something you can just flip a switch tonight. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way of a life that we have got to live. So, Pastor, how do I do that? I would say, first of all, do what we started out with in prayer. Prayer will change your life. 
It will change the life of, of somebody else because God does the miraculous still today. But prayer will change your life. You cannot, you cannot pray for somebody and not start caring for them. You can't. Prayer will change your life. Start with that. When you invest in prayer and the life of somebody else, it's just a natural progression. You've got something in your heart. You know, it's, it's, I'm sure this, perhaps this speaks to me more than it would you, from, but from my perspective as a pastor, you cannot express how much love you have in your heart for your people. It's not something that the pastor manifests. It's something that God does. I know I can sense his emotion. Greet, greet, greet them all. I wish I could see them. I wish I could be there. But let them know I'm thinking about them. Oh, may God give us that kind of love and care for one another. And may we want the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in the life of well, I just, I just, they just, they just, I just don't care for them. Pray for them. They took my seat. Pray for them. And don't pray that they get a flat tire so you get there first, so you, you get there, you get a seat. Pray for them. I, I we, and, and you, and, and you may or may not disagree with this. I, I'm right. The biggest problems we have in our country, I believe, is because Christians just don't treat Christians like they should treat Christians. We just don't treat people like we should treat them. And part of that is do we pray for them? Do we care for them? Do we help them? Do we want God's best in their life? A good test of this is when something good happens for them, are you disappointed? Or can we say we rejoice when they rejoice, we weep when they weep? Now, let's, let's allow these things to help us tonight. Father, I pray you'll use your word. I pray that...